<laughs> Welcome to 2021. And while it was going good for a, oh, about six or seven weeks, it's turned to shit. Let's be honest, the last couple of days with Melbourne and the whole of Victoria being put back into lockdown. And uh, it just seems like we're the moz here on Keeping It Real with Chuck Leedy, the big fella, because uh, we started this podcast when uh, COVID hit. And, uh, well, we had a bit of a uh, break over summer. We're back into it this week and she's hit again. Would you believe it? And, uh, well, we're going to go to the phones and uh, get the superstars that make this show what it is. Well, it's a big show. Oh, this bloke, he's had a couple of months off the uh, the podcast, but he hasn't been off air. His dulcet tones uh, throughout the summer of cricket have been heard on SEN. He's a great man. We say a very good well, good evening to uh, Darren Chuck Berry. How are you, big fella? Well, good evening to you, Matty, down there in Warrnambool. And uh, it has been a long time between drinks for the three of us. And I'm excited that we're back together tonight, I must admit. And I know we've got a special guest uh, in the second half of our show. Lots to catch up on. Lots to catch up on. And how ironic that we said we'd have a break over Christmas and New Year. And we said we'd come back just after Valentine's Day. That's what we said. Mm. And, of course, now we're back and we're in lockdown again. So clearly our podcast is the lockdown uh, <laughs> COVID show, isn't it? It certainly is, mate. And I must admit, I haven't spoke to you for a couple of months, only via text message. I've, uh, I've kind of missed, uh, you know, hearing and talking to you and, uh, you know, just kind of reliving uh, some funny stories because uh, whenever you're around, Chuck, something funny seems to happen, big man. I'm not sure about that. I haven't missed you that much, to be honest, big fella. Uh, uh, and I've caught up, uh, Ludi and I have been watching a little bit of your action, uh, self-commentary on, on the batting in the nets down there in uh, no, local cricket. No, uh, very, no. Very, very ordinary display. No feet, no balance. And then I suppose you're going to tell me... Uh, you better get Ludie on, and then you can tell me about the fact that you were going to play cricket on the weekend until we were called off. Get our little partner in crime on. Is he there? Oh, he's there. Ah, oh, yes, Timmy Ludeman. And uh, they tell me might have, just might have as a Christmas present. Chuck uh, got the old, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, voucher big fella over the, <laughs> the summer <laughs> that right. Any uh, Any truth to that rumour, Timmy Ludeman? I am going bald very gracefully, Matthew. Thank you very much. <laughs> what I can tell you, though, Yes, yes. The Pfizer vaccine arrived in Australia today, and already I've received the call from ScoMo to say us three are getting the first jab <laughs> because our podcast is that important to this country and this nation that they can't afford to lose us. Yeah, I just I'm worried, workers. I'm worried that I might go bald if I have the COVID vaccine. Hundred and forty thousand. <laughs> Let's be honest. Who's going to get it first, boys? Obviously, our, our nurses and our healthcare workers. Is that how it works? Yep, and then so. our Australian Open tennis players. <laughs> <laughs> what oh, is going on? Oh, he, what how, is going on? How has Dan Andrews, uh, you know, seriously, how has he got through with that Australian Open tennis going? What, what's going on, seriously? Because he's locked us all down. A couple of players are tested positive. But, hey, it doesn't matter. Just keep playing, boys. We'll just shut the whole state down. You know, I can't work it out, Ludes. What I mean, local cricket. We couldn't play local cricket on the weekend, and 
that's a real hit. But we can get, sit in our lounge room and watch the Australian Open and we can watch the AFLW. I mean, we're either in lockdown or we're not in lockdown. It's not pick and choose, surely, is it? Yeah, it's ridiculous. He's uh, he's lost the plot, let's be honest, but uh, we're back here again, and um, yeah, season all, two, I'm pretty excited. All I can say is uh, thank God for poor old Ellensford Pam Muir in the Division 3 team, because uh, they probably dodged the bullet on the weekend, to be honest, with uh, the call-up of the big fella in Division 3 at Nestles, and uh, I was in pretty good nick. I've been to the Nets a couple of times, and uh, I was going to absolutely take them to the cleaners on Saturday, and then <laughs> blow me down, I get the call on Thursday, Friday, Friday night, uh, she's all off. She's all over. I was gutted, absolutely gutted, because I've been working very hard. Uh, Ludy, was that up against your old mob? Was it? Was he playing against? <laughs> no, no, he's play, playing for our for my old mob. But uh, Stewie, for all the listeners out there, he was sending us through some video footage of him on the bowling machine at mm. uh, at a solid ninety k's an hour, and he was whacking them everywhere. Then he sent through another clip of 110 k's an hour, and he played Mate, and missed about 10 in a row. He one, was hopeless. That was Glenn yeah. McGrath, they told me, 135, and then they got it up to Brett Lee, and uh, caught one yeah. on the, uh, the pad roll, and uh, fair to say my knee hasn't recovered yet. Uh, it was quick. <laughs> it was quick. Yeah, and then we had a little bit of music in the background going something like this. First I was afraid. I was petrified, <laughs> thinking I could only bat on the leg side. That was the big fella. That hey, was just... I would honestly, mate, like that was as good as you'll see from a 44-year-old, 120 kilo, left-handed. Uh, to be honest, I look like what's that West Indian spin lost, bowler? Lost a bit over Christmas, hasn't what? he? Going up in Cornwall. What's that? When he's talking himself down a bit, Lou. What's that? <laughs> hey, just on that, I've got a bet. You know, I do a little bit with the racing.com crew, and I've got a bet with Johnny Allen, Dean Yendall, and uh, a few of the jockeys uh, that. Uh, I'm going to get below 100 by Christmas. Um, so watch this space, boys. Watch this space. <laughs> and I had to laugh. I, I, don't, I don't think you better take up cricket. You better take up marathons. Then, now, now, listen, this is a true story. Peter Doherty, the starter, great fella. Dales, goes, goes all around the state starting the uh, the horses and the you know the guys that uh, you know bring the horses into the barriers and stuff. They're always at the race meetings and uh, the starter, Tony Harrison, and uh, you know the Mickey Reesher and the boys. They were all in there the other day and we're kind of standing around talking. And uh, the boys said to me, uh, "How's uh, how's the weight loss going, big fella?" Because they're all in on the joke and the bet. And uh, I said, "Yeah, look, to be honest, boys, I'm pacing myself. I've got the Christmas. There's plenty of time up my sleeve. I'm uh, I'm just cruising along." And uh, lo and behold, my old mate Finney. From the cafeteria at the racing club, lobs in in front of everyone. Hey, big fella, big fella, I got your chips, mate. I got your chips. <laughs> <laughs> True story. And I took Finney out the back and I slapped him around a bit and I said, listen, mate, don't blow my cover. You've just blown me <laughs> absolutely out of the water in there. The boys are still laughing about it. Still laughing. Big fella, uh, yeah, all, all those names you just dropped, unfortunately all our listeners didn't have a clue who you were talking about, but we'll we'll take the chip gag, and I reckon you should take the gag that uh, Merv Hughes used to take, one of our previous guests. We might have to get him back on. Oh. Uh, every pre-season, Luge, you would know this, uh, the dietitian would come in and she'd put the scales down on the floor to weigh everybody, and every year without fail, She'd say, come on, Merv, jump on the scales. And every year he did, the big fella, 
120 kilos, he jumped as high as he could and smashed those scales to smithereens every single year. Just smashed them. Hey, come on, Murph, jump on the scales. You sure you want me to? He'd get on the table and jump on them and smash them so they'd never be able to be used again. I went there just talking about Merv. Uh, is he on the man shakes? Because uh, I saw Merv uh, day four, Boxing Day test. Uh, I was about probably 50 metres below. He was doing a bit of commentary for someone. And uh, if he is still on the man shakes, the big fella, then uh, it's not the best advertisement going around. <laughs> All jokes aside, Ludy, uh, whilst we talk about Merv, and we should say congratulations. Hall of Fame, Australian oh, Hall awesome. of Fame. I was delighted when the big fella got... Uh, got put into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, he probably is. He's, I think he's been enjoying himself with that Hall of Fame, but uh, <laughs> that's a great achievement. Oh, that, that's huge, isn't it? That is huge. And a uh, good fella, Murphy. He always retweets our uh, our tweets too. He's, uh, he gets involved. Warnie gave us a review too, boys, just quietly. Five-star rating and a little comment from uh, SK Warn uh, for the podcast. I don't know whether you boys are all over that, but uh, that was pretty special. That's awesome. I didn't realise that either, actually. Hey, listen, uh, Chuck, um, I yes, wanna, we've got one of your good mates coming up, Greg Shippard, of course, our, our special guest to kick it off, and what a superstar oh, he, he, he is. He was my coach. He was your, my coach. He was your coach, and uh, we know my that you've got coach. the... Uh, we know you've got the arse a little bit over the journey, you know, from cricketing and um, the soccer, and we, we know all that, don't we, Ludy? Um, any truth to the rumour that uh, maybe the old K-Rock calling, you might have got the old lemon and sauce too, big fella? Just another one to add to the list of pain. Just put it on there. Give him 10 years. Actually, I gave him 15 years of my life. Probably five years while we're in Adelaide. I just did the odd call here and there. And uh, just like, just as quick as a flash, the old COVID excuse comes up. Budgetary cuts. And uh, we can have a joke about it. But I tell you, there was a few tears. Because you know I love oh. calling the footy. Oh, mate, I and don't you know blame I love, you. I, I love K-Rock. Uh, and very good at it. I'm not, I'm not just saying it. Like, you are very good at it, Chuck. And I, I would I would hope that there is somebody out there, like SEN or one of those uh, one of those magnificent radio stations that would... Uh, 2GB or... Yeah, ABC. Uh, <laughs> that, <laughs> that would... 3YB, Hey, mate, I put it out there. I said we'll take you down here and got nothing back from you boys. I was quite happy. I was dead serious. You can come down and call a game down here in the Hamden League, mate, for sure. But seriously, look, someone will pick you up, mate, because you are too good at the caper, and I'm not just saying that. Uh, we'll wait and see. I hope so. Because uh, of all the things that I do, in, and I, I'm lucky that I have a, what do we call it these days, a portfolio of work. I have a portfolio, which means I'm not doing much, basically. Um, and the one that I enjoy most of all, Ludy, uh, I think you know, is calling the AFL footy. So when Definitely. that call came from yeah. K-Rock, uh, not just me, it was pretty much. And look, K-Rock, I think, have been hit a little bit. But they've made a decision just to go local. Uh, I wish them all the best, but it's disappointing because going from four games a weekend, they're only going to call the Geelong games now. And they're actually calling the local um, GFL footy, I think. So... You know, they're covering it with the Geelong crew, which I totally understand. But I tell you, it wasn't just me, uh, Ian Cohen, uh, he, pretty much all the people up in Melbourne got the lemonade. And uh, it was brutal because we didn't really see it coming and just got a phone call just near Christmas to say, uh, not even a gold watch, just uh, off your pop. And uh, <laughs> that was it. K-Rockers, uh, no longer. Big, big so, fella. Uh, mm, Ludie, yeah, tell Chuck, me. That's, that's, uh, that's, that's horrible and, um, you know, 
you will get you will get picked up. Someone will pick you up for sure because you are good at it, as Stewie said. But Stewie, I want to get stick a dagger into you while we're going as oh, well. Oh, here we go. I forgot this. I forgot this last time. Um, Damien Hardwick. He at one stage he was on the chopping block there, yeah, and you went. You, at the he's, time, you were on a Messiah. local radio show down there in Warrnambool. He's the Messiah. And you carried on like an absolute pork chop. Mm. And I do remember this. I do remember wrote a letter. This. You even wrote a letter, I believe, to Brendan Gale, didn't you, at the time? You're kidding remember. me. You wrote a letter Took to the Richmond Football Club. No, yeah, just... oh. And you are as mad a Tiger supporter as anyone I know, and you wanted him gone for all money, and now he's won three flags. You must be embarrassed. Three out of four, yeah, and possibly could have got the fourth if uh, Big Mason Cox hadn't a turn one on. Uh, only game he's played well in, uh, in about uh, eight years of footy. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I must admit, I, I, yeah, I have to put my do, hand do up you want to formally? Do you want to formally apologise? Yeah, no, if Damien's listening, which I'm, I'm tipping he won't be, but... Um, I've got a couple other Richmond mates that possibly might listen, and uh, they, they, you know they've been aware of this over the journey because I, I did, uh, I did put that letter out on socials, and uh, we we did have a little bit of fun, a uh, little bit, a <laughs> little bit, a bit of fun with the back of the radio because I was, I was calling for you know for Brendan to stand up, and you know our football club was going nowhere at this point in time. I think we finished sixteenth. Um, you know, we'd just been flogged in round 18 by the Sydney Swans or round 24, whatever it is, and uh, things just weren't looking good. And I've actually got a snippet, and I must admit, I haven't heard this for a few years. Um, and this is my co host, this is my co host at the time, goes for a couple of minutes, but uh, he kind of uh, he wrote a little song, um, uh, you know, after my letter to uh, to Brendan Gardy. You want me to play that for you, blokes? Give it yep. a listen. Please. <laughs> okay, okay. Just let me see if I can do this. The morning rain clouds up my window, oh. and I can't see. You should it listen all. to this. And even no, just sit back with it. Just sit back and listen. But your picture on my wall it reminds me that it's not so bad. It's not so bad. Dear not so slim, I wrote this instead of calling. I saw your tweet and felt a real sting in my bottom. Come on, man, it's not even autumn. I know our farm has been random. You reckon there's a problem with Damien Harwick or something? Sometimes I get fans' letters and I just toss them, but yours, stop it, I'm responding, man. How's your daughter? Does she hate Dimmer too? What about your father? You tell your father Richmond owe him nothing. What's his name, Bobby? I read about your Uncle Jimmy too, I'm sorry. I had a friend too whose coffin didn't fit properly. I I know you probably get this every day, but you would be our largest fan. I mean, on the scales in terms of kilos, man. I bet you've got Chico Roll posters and pictures, man. I like how you mentioned Dusty Martin, too. That was slick, as long as he doesn't pick up a chopstick. Anyway, gotta go. This is your CEO. This is Brendan. My tea's gone cold, I'm wondering yeah, why That was a fairly got out of bed Fairly solid response <laughs> Well, I felt sorry for you oh, I felt sorry for you, so I sent one back on your behalf Don't wait for this, alright? I didn't miss either That it's not so bad It's not so bad Mr. Gale, too good to write or call his fans. This will be the last message I sent you, man. It's been six months for seven wins. We don't deserve it. I know you got my last letter. I tweeted it bloody perfect. So listen up, I'm telling you. I hope you hear it. I'm coming down a punt road. I'm in the Commodore on the highway. I love you, Richmond. We could have been together. Think about it. 
McCutcheon and Rewalt, I can't even sleep and I dream about it. And when I dream, I dream Ty Vickery can actually take a mark. I hope you get a draft pick or two, and if you need a big forward, pick me. Man. Shut up, Bob. I'm trying to talk. That's my old man Robbo in the back. He and I used to sell skins at the apps to raise dollars for you, but now a country membership will do. Well, got to go. I'm almost a cold at KFC now. Well, I can't come at all. I forgot. I've got standing tall. Hey, Bob, give me one of those big buckets of gravy. That's it. Righto, righto, righto. So, Dimmer, you know, gold statue, get it out there. He is as good as you'll see ever at Richmond. Probably the greatest coach ever, you blokes. And uh, he just did, he needed to be snapped into action. And that probably just tipped him over the edge and... Made him have a good look at himself and look at what's happened from it, you blokes. Yeah, maybe you need to write him. Maybe hey. you need to write Brendan another letter right now. Hey, listen, no, 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 we're not going there. We won't go there. Still, PG recommended this show. Now, listen, talking about blokes that might need a firecracker, he gets a bit of a mention from time to time in this podcast. Your mate Harford, uh, he needs to fire up there at the Carlton AFL women's chuck. What's going on down there? Yeah, well, apparently, ever since uh, he heard of that heavy tag that he had back in the Falcons <laughs> Falcons day, uh, he hasn't been the same. It's, he hasn't slept at night, and it's affected his preparation because he's still he's still having visions of that heavy tag run on him by uh, Mickey Turner and uh, the boys down at the Long Falcons, uh, Maddie Stewart. That's all he can see, and it's really affected his coaching. <laughs> I walked into that one, Lou. <laughs> absolutely, yes, she did. Absolutely yes, walked into it. <laughs> hey, now listen, we've got a cricket match coming up in a couple of weeks. What, tell us about this. What, what's going on? I'm excited. I, I haven't slept since I found out this news. Uh, Stewie, we're going down to the Manu Cricket Club. Manu. Um, we're doing a little, a, little, a, little, a little 2020 charity game down there and a bit of a talk and they got... Oh, I shouldn't have got a big crowd booked in yet because we're obviously uh, in COVID restrictions at different stages, but um, all going well. Mm-hmm. That'll be happening. Um, yeah, so looking forward to that. Up Look, three down there carrying on like pork chops. Ludes, where is Manu, mate? Can you yes. just send me uh, a Melway's <laughs> listing as to how I can find my way from uh, my mountain home where all the ladies' names are Joan in Mount Eliza to Manu. I mean, come on. Seriously. Where, Manu, where, where what's are it we near? going? Yeah, what, what, what well, major capital city is it near? All I know, I'm, Julie, I'm all I know is that Tim Ludeman took the gloves over from Graham Manu. That's about all I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being told it's one of the most picturesque ovals in country regional Victoria. So we're just going to hope the Saka is out of uh, intense lockdown down there at that stage. Otherwise, it'll be just me and the big fella. Wow. Because if the ring still goes up, then uh, he won't be coming to Manu. uh... He'll have to chopper him in. So this is going to be so we're actually playing a game of cricket. Are we on the same team or against each other? Or how, how's that going? Uh, I don't know the fine details to be honest. I think me and you're on the same team, Stuart. I think Chuck might be commentating, I believe. Um, <laughs> and then yeah, yeah, a bit of a few sherbets afterwards. Ooh, from K Rock to Manu FM, big fella. This is Manu FM. I dropped the big names earlier, like SEN and Triple M and all that stuff, but I think Manu FM, it's got a good ring to it with Chuck. Yeah, no, I've, sort of, I've, got, I've gone SEN, Triple M, K-Rock, Manu. I mean, seriously, where to from here? I'll be in Warnable next. <laughs>
Oh, I love it. That's going to be huge. I can't wait to get up there. Hey, what about the Indians? That is, pound for pound, one of the best test match victories you'll ever see against the Aussies. Uh, we just could not get them out. Unbelievable no, with their, uh, their B-grade side, too. It was uh, quite remarkable, really, but um, bloody good viewing all the same. Uh, full credit to them. I mean, when their captain went home, Virat Kohli, and we knocked them over in Adelaide for uh, 36, I think it was, wasn't it? The Adelaide 36, as they called them. Uh, they were embarrassed. And then they came to Melbourne and gave us a bit of a wiping. And even then, I think a lot of people thought, and, and I was lucky enough to be involved in the Boxing Day test doing some, some commentary, as you kindly mentioned, boys. And I thought, oh, the Aussies will hit back here. Well, full credit to India and a few questions to be asked uh, of the Aussies. Our inability, Ludi, to bowl them out in Sydney on day five with the big quicks and Nathan Lyon, our good mate, uh, and then Brisbane, same scenario. I, I don't know whether it's full credit to India or full crosses to the Aussies. Well, you boys are the cricket blokes. You tell me. <coughs> oh, I don't, I'm not sure we were putting the best team on the park. That's the trouble with our bowling attack in particular. I think Mitchell Stark was massively out of touch, out of form, and you know we're picking a guy in reputation rather than in the moment at the time and he was he wasn't bowling very well unfortunately and I think that probably hurt us in the end on tough tough hard flat test test match pitches who, who would you have in then Ludy? Uh, I mean Pattinson was on the sidelines ready to go fit and firing so it's hard to you know he gets good good swing and then good reverse swing as well in those conditions he would have been he would have been very good so what about Moses um, Moses on hasn't he got a big melon or something on him look he's all head or something isn't he I saw him doing a little warm-up during a day four of the Melbourne test and uh, he's just a he's just a funny physique and he's got a big big melon on him or big hair or something isn't it like it's it's a big unit he's <laughs> a bit like Mitchell Marsh Mitchell Marsh and Moses uh, very large melons uh, I'm not sure where you're going with that, Stu, to be honest. Like, we're picking the test nothing. team and then you got Moses on week's head. So I just... Uh, big big Off topic slightly, but we actually, on a rain delay one day over at Adelaide, had a had a head measuring contest because we were bored and we got the tape measure out, the TTO's tape measure, and run around. And I've only got a little pinhead and obviously no hair, so I wasn't in contention. But everyone thought Tom Cooper had the biggest head. And I said, no, Darren Berry's got the biggest, fattest head I've ever seen. <laughs> so <laughs> we were going around every... Chuck, yeah, every Chuck. Oh, you every haven't player, measured your coach. Every player in the team and rolling down the whiteboard. <laughs> um, Chuck, Chuck didn't win. I was wrong. I was wrong. Sorry, Darren. You don't. <laughs> so who won it? Uh, was, was Moses Dewey, playing did, for South Australia? Can you understand? Can you understand? We didn't quite get the success we needed at the soccer. I mean, instead of the dickheads worrying about making runs and taking wickets, old Ludy from friggin' Nestle's, uh, he's measuring head circumference size instead of actually practicing his batting. Who comes up with that uh, shit? It's fair to say, too, when I walked in with the tape measure and said, Chuck, I need to measure your head. <laughs> oh, I would have loved a bit of fly on the wall then. He would have gone off. Uh, I reckon, honestly, it was at that point that I thought, where's Adam Crossway? I need him back. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what they're just talking about? Uh, like, yeah, right. India won the test, right? We've said that, but what about Cal Ferguson not getting offered a contract up at the Thunder? What's going on there? He had a cracking season, didn't he? Have you spoken to him, Ludes, or not? 
No, I haven't, actually. No, no, I haven't. Oh, good, mate. You are. You blokes. I sent him a message just saying you were shafted. No, I've, I've, I've messaged him, but I've spoken to him and haven't asked too much details. Oh, righto. Fair call. Chuck? That was an interesting one. Yeah, very interesting. I mean, I thought he had a pretty good series, and I thought he captained well, and they made finals and all that stuff. So it was a surprise. Clearly, some people in there have got some... Uh, ideas and going in a, in a different direction. So Ferg's probably at the crossroads. Now, I don't know whether anyone else will pick him up. Um, you'll probably go overseas and play a bit of T20, and it's come to an abrupt halt. You know, the Shield, when we spoke to him, our last guest just before Christmas, uh, he just decided to, that Shield cricket was enough, and uh, I think he thought that he'd get a fair bit of time with the Sydney Thunder. So this is one that I don't reckon he was expecting. Hey, it's not I'll a bad big way, you go, Ludie, and then I reckon we should jump get our in there. Just, while we're talking Big Bash. Yeah, definitely. Just someone, to, uh, just someone to pick him up. I think the Melbourne Stars, you look at their history and their success rate converting finals. Fergie's your man. He's a relaxed, calm human and a really nice fella, as we know, and a bloody good player. They need that glue in the middle to keep their stability and such, I think, around their big sloggers or their big hitters. So yeah, I think Fergie'd call. be a good fit for the Stars. Not a bad call, Luz. And I did, hear, I did hear on the grapevine uh, possibly doing uh, half a dozen games for K-Rock calling the footy this year as well. So uh, it, uh, that should go well as well for uh, Big Fergie uh, too, Ludes. <laughs> <laughs> deathly, deathly silence from the suck. <laughs> I told you there was a reason I hadn't missed you, big fellow. And uh, uh, look, we've been going a half an hour. Okay, already. I'm, I'm going to get. About anything. I'm How gonna, about we get a guest on? If we're get, talking about the big bash. Yeah. You just introduce him, mate. As I just dial the number here. Tell tell us a little bit about Greg Shepard because. Uh, have you got a song for him or not? You haven't got I, one. I have. I'm just going to call him. I'm going to get him on first. Going to get him on here first. I hope this is the right number. I hope he realises we're going live here too. Does uh, Greg? Uh, he won't realise. Hello, Greg. Now, Greg, we are live here. We are live, mate, on the podcast. This is season two, episode one. You're the first cab off the rank, Greg. Uh, you must be uh, pretty excited about that. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I didn't know we were live to air as we speak, but let's go with it. Hey, listen, just I'm just going to play a little song, and you might have to sit back and enjoy this one. I, I texted the boys earlier, and I said, listen, what song for uh, for Greggy Shippard? I said, uh, you know, like Titanic or something with ships or something like that. And this is what oh, Chuck... It would have to be something to do with the Skyhook, surely, or... <laughs> oh, Skyhook. We're going back into that era, Shippy, but uh, this was one that I thought... This was when Greg Shippard started playing the game back in the 70s. It's a tune that we all love, big fella, and it reminds me of Shippy. Even though he didn't play in the team, he was part of this. Just push play. Been training all the winter, and there's not a team that's fitter. And that's the way it's got to be. Because you're up against the best, you know. This is super test, you know. And you've got to beat the best the world has seen. Lily's pounding down like a machine. Goes making divots in the green. Marsh is taking wickets. Crooks he's clearing pickets. And the chapel's eyes have got that killer gleam. Mr. Walker's playing havoc with the bats. Red path, it's good to see you back. Lady's making runs. Dougie's chewing gum. And Gilmore's wielding willow like an axe. Come on, Ozzy, come on. Come 
That is absolutely. But when you go back and you have a look at the actual uh, the video that goes with that, that is just when cricket was cricket, wasn't it, Chippy? Oh, it was brilliant in those days. There's no doubt about it. Uh, I guess that's the reason I got a game for West Australia all those years ago. That. Uh, you know, World Series cricket was in the pipeline and uh, it edged some of our superstars out of the way, which gave some of us young blokes in Western Australia an opportunity to, uh, you know, start in the game. And uh, I thought you were going to play Elton John, I'm Still Standing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, for people that don't know, uh, played cricket, obviously, at Western Australia with Dennis Lilly, Marsh, Terry Alderman, just to name a few. Uh, coached Tasmania for 10 years. Coached Victoria for 10 years. Uh, coached the Sydney Sixers and the current coach of the Sydney Sixers, the Delhi Daredevils over in the IPL. It has been a magnificent career not only on the pitch but also off it and uh, seriously uh, it is sensational when you go through those stats Shippy it's pretty special isn't it? Oh look yeah as, as I say look it's been a, a wonderful journey started in 1977-78 at first class level and it's continued to this day so I'm absolutely blessed that that's been the case as a player and and now probably double the time as a player as a coach uh you know, to be involved in the game that I love and we love um, and to interact with, you know, young players and improving players and, and see, seeing them grow from uh, young men to, to men and to, you know, family men and, and beyond has is, is been a, a special part of my journey, which uh, thankfully continues to this day. Chuck? Yes, Shippy, thank you very much for joining us tonight. I'm not going to rush it because we can't cram, you know, a 35, 40 sort of year mm. career as a player mm. and a coach into 10 minutes. So we're going to try and hold you for 30 minutes here. but And we yep. will get to back-to-back titles with uh, the Sydney Sixers, which is a great achievement. Uh, I apologise yep. for my co-host's introduction there. He never even had the decency to mention the Melbourne Stars uh, as part of your coaching CV. But I think he left that out because he didn't want to upset you with the four semi-finals. We'll get to that as well. Mm. But let's mm. go back, Shippy, to the 70s. And we played that music for a reason because we were kids. Uh, you know, well, Bloody probably wasn't even here. But that, that no, music reminds me of when cricket was real. And you did play with Lily and with against yeah. Pasco, with Bruce Laird. All those guys, I mean, do you think back now on the journey you've been on and think that that's where it started for me in that Western Australian side that had, I think you told me at one stage, nine or ten test players in it? Yeah, look, at that stage, uh, as things developed in the Western Australian side, I was the only non-test playing player in the side and we had the Australian vice-captain at one stage, Craig Sargent, and the one for Robbie Langer also Wayne Clark and others that have played international cricket not getting a game. So it was a team you didn't want to fall out of through injury or form. So, um, you know, that's how lucky I was. You know, you're a product of your surroundings and the mentors and the coaches uh, that I had uh, from a peer and playing point of view as well as those, those coaches I'm talking about certainly set me on the right path, you know, for my journey, which has been you know, one that, uh, you know, has, has, has really been a satisfying uh, process. Boys, we, we'll, we'll speak mainly about Shippy's coaching because that's what most of our listeners will know. But I just, he's a humble man, but you know I would have done my research. I just want to let you guys know 
He played 112 first-class matches wow. and averaged, averaged 42 with the bat. Just listen to average 42 with the bat. You know, people think, oh, Shippy was a stodgy opener and, you know, it's hard to get out. He averaged 42 in, in first-class yeah, cricket. I mean, players are getting a game for Australia now, nowhere near that sort of average, 15 first-class hundreds. And uh, that's the serious side, Shippy. But what people don't know, please tell them about the time that you actually, you, you Ludi, you probably don't know this, Greg Shippard <laughs> kept wickets for Australia. <laughs> Gee, you've opened the Pandora's box there, Chuck, about <laughs> me and my keeping. Uh, and, uh, look, it was just one of those things I talk about all-rounders these days to our young players, about being all-rounders in you know, bat, ball, field, leadership, all those sorts of things. But, um, you know, in the West Australian team, again, you just had to keep adding strings to your bow to get in the side and be around the side. So... Uh, I had a failed career, I would say, in the slips. I guess I was Rover the dog in front of the wicket with Lily and Co, where most of the fielders, you know, were camped behind the wicket, and there was only one or two yep. of us in front of the wicket. So we we learned how to chase the ball. Um, <laughs> but uh, seeing no one behind Rod Marsh and Kevin Wright, who then moved to uh, South Australia to pursue right. his career. I thought I'd put the gloves on and so you know that sort of unfolded very slowly and found myself remarkably Chuck and Ludi uh, keeping in some international matches on the South African tour where one of the best keepers of all time as well, Steve Rickson, was left out of the side for old iron gloves or crayfish as they used to call me as well. Crayfish <laughs> to put the gloves on and, and, and do my bit. So, there <laughs> That's you great. go. That is unbelievable. And it just took me back, actually, Shibby, to uh, just uh, before Christmas, there was a little bit of banter on uh, social media. And I had no idea this was even a thing. But uh, obviously, Chuck and Looney, you don't like keepers wearing short sleeves. What's the go there? I'd fill me in. I, I had no idea about this. Not being yeah, a real it's... keeper, I wouldn't have a clue about that sort of thing. I, I probably <laughs> went out there with short sleeve not understanding that but I guess it's got something to do with diving along the ground and not scraping your arms for those that did dive those of us that had really remarkable footwork would get there without having to dive. <laughs> correct, correct. Come on. I've seen the highlights of that bloody uh, Rebel Tour and old crayfish there. Mate, uh, no feet whatsoever. It was the leaning tower of shipping. It's falling over down the league side. I, did, I, did, I do remember getting the fielding ward one, award one day there at the uh, Wanderers, Chuck, when I think I tripped over my... <laughs> Feet to an out, Terry Alderman out swinger, and uh, just happened to try to you know cradle my fall and stuck my hand out, and Jimmy Cook nicked one in around about second slip there. Mark Atkinson That's still enough. talks about it to this day. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's another one of the craft. That's goes Chuck. We never even got a we never even got a look in us three backstops, and the old crayfish had the gloves on for Australia. Uh, I've got one more, and then I'll hand it over to you boys. I mean, I've got a heap here, but. Uh, there's lots that I want to ask you, but the one that I think our listeners would be most intrigued with, 11 years Tasmanian coach, 10 years the Victorian coach, hugely successful career there. We'll talk about that in a minute and the, the players that he coached. Uh, IPL Delhi, you mentioned it all. And now, how long, Shippy, does it take when, you, when you're appointed coach of a new team and you've had, you've had this experience four or five times to actually get the trust and respect of the group 
so then you feel like you can actually have a significant impact on the group. How long do you reckon that takes? Yeah, look, uh, it depends on the group and where the group is at. I guess in in Tasmania, it took a little bit longer, if you like, because we were building a different foundation around competitiveness versus when I moved to Victoria and, and allied with you know our wonderful David Hooks in, in that. It was more there about putting the icing on the cake from the great work that had been done by Johnny Scholes and Mick O'Sullivan and other people. So we were really... Sort of that was a different process versus Tasmania where it took. So I think you've got a every environment different. It's about and, and the Sydney Sixers. It was about going in with uh, I guess a, you know a pretty firm plan in my mind about how I wanted to deal with this group of players, and and, and it didn't take a long time to win their trust and their and their thought processes about how we wanted to play winning by design. You were there at that moment, so. Um, you know, we did. We set some strong foundations and, and thankfully the players have embraced those and continue to live those, you know, to this day. Ludie? Yep. Shippy, thanks for coming on. I've been pretty quiet so no far worries, because I am, I am the serious part of this show. I, I normally ask <laughs> serious questions. And um, I've got one a bit more personal straight off the bat. It's, it probably touches a little bit home close to me as well. I just want to know when you first decided, yep, I've gone too far. I need to shave it all off. <laughs> yes, good question, Ludy. Good question. Oh well, I've got a, I've got a, uh, I've got an ex-Tasmanian cricket team. The spirit lives uh, here with us, and I've got Ricky Ponting, Diva, Coxie, uh, Mark Ridgway, who should have taken the advice at the same time as well. And I'm sitting there. Timmy yeah. Coyle's next to me with a head full of hair. And I'm going thin there. I guess it was about 38 for me. And Ridgie should have been. That was 38. He was he was cheating on his driver's license with me at that stage. We both should have got rid of it. We and and I did around about that. 38 to 40. It was all off, mate. Uh, move on forward and attack life with uh, with eyes looking forward and both hands ready to accept what comes your way. Ludie, what are oh, you? You got 12. What age were you, Ludes? got 12 years more than you, Ludes. 12 years older. Yeah, I was, I, was a, I was a solid 19 and a half. So I was really <laughs> <just tough. laughs> Bald is beautiful, we know that. Shibin, another question for you. You're a very passionate man. I don't another serious one. Oh, okay, I'm really, I'm ready for that one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know you super well, but I know that you're a very passionate man and I've heard a few of my Victorian friends say that you watch the AFL in the coach's box and you see him punching holes in the wall and throwing phones and stuff like that. Mm. How many mobile mm. phones have you broken over the journey? Because I know you've broken a few. Mm. I, always buy, I always buy big bricks as mobile phones and or big, heavy uh, computers so that the <laughs> lid, when it gets slammed down at that moment where you know the game potentially can turn... Uh, and the computer survives. So, I've, look, as a coach, you do you have your ups and downs, and you and you ride the uh, your remote, you ride the momentum of games uh, with your players, but you know more so, you know because you're responsible for the whole process. So, you know, over the journey, I've learnt better to control those moments, but certainly, you know, it it, it can be an issue for. For all of us that do this job that we're really passionate about, but um, you know, being a coach is like being a player, and 
uh, you, you need that so you need that you know, intensity, I guess, from time to time. So I, I guess I've been like that because I love winning. Shippy, I want to know how the little fella from Naranda ended up playing for South Australia, and he didn't end ah. up playing for the Vicks. Can you shed any light on another uh, good the, question the, too, Matty? Another good question, the Timmy Ludeman. Yes. Oh, well, I, you always have to blame those people that you know set the contract. So I guess you'd have to go back to the top of the tree there, and that wasn't me at that stage. I guess you know. A bloke with initials FFG, SFG would probably be one of those mm. one of those people you could blame at the end of the day. But look, keepers are a remarkable uh, breed, um, and many of them have popped up over my journey in Victoria, uh, in Tasmania, in New South Wales. So it's a highly competitive environment, and um, you know, at the end of the day. Uh, thankfully, Tim found a space where he where he deserved to be and played some fantastic cricket. Did you actually put a phone call in? Like, did you actually talk to Timmy Ludeman Shibby? Me? Yeah, I can't remember. I'm, that's long term memory for for me. And as <laughs> as I said to Chuck, you know, we we want to be careful where we go tonight because uh, you know I'm dealing in the in the short term memory at this stage of the night. We can't. Kippy, don't worry. I, I promise you. I promise you. I will not. Uh, I've got a few tricky ones when we get to ten quickies with Chuck, but I I won't throw you under the bus. We're good mates. I promise you that. Uh, but Ludie, you did tell me today that there was a phone call. So can you just remind Shippy of the short term memory loss? <laughs> come on, Tim. Remind there, me. There, there was there was a phone call. It come um, it come the day after I signed with South Australia. Um, I think the phone call lasted for about 13 seconds. <laughs> Shippy rang up and said, Shippy rang up, I believe, and went something like, Tim, don't do anything. We've got a rookie contract for you. I said, Shippy, I signed yesterday. He goes, okay, all the best, and hung up. <laughs> sure, sure. And, and isn't, that, isn't that a great... That, 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 that's about having a great phone call when you know you're on firm ground, uh, whether you're a coach or a player, you ring and then you say, I've, I've made my decision, and then... You know, you you set it back to the person or the coach or the player. Well done, Tim. So, good man. I love it. Come on, Chuck. What do you got back at the vintage era, mate? No, I was just sort of looking at the... I mean, the Sydney Sixers is a great story. Back-to-back in any title. Uh, I think the master might have done it with the Vicks and the Shield. But in the big bash, it's a big achievement to go back-to-back. Shippy, I've got one question that I just cannot get my head around. How on mm. earth did you get hold of Dan Christen into your side? I think the Renegades could have done with him this year. He slipped into your side absolutely beautifully, and I actually reckon he was one of the players of the tournament. How did you pull off that totally. recruiting coup? Uh, absolutely. I think um, you know we, we were absolutely thrilled, but it was a long-term project, and I'd been doing some work you know, a couple of seasons out for that to happen. Uh, and, and I guess, Chuck, as you know... Um, you know, recruiting uh, is, is is a long-term planning thing. It can be in terms of assessing your group. Um, mm. And we, we suspected that we might lose a few of our, you know, elite players into the Australian system. So, you know, Dan's experience and his all-round skills, you do know I love an all-rounder. So, you know, he fitted the bill perfect, perfectly for us. So, 
you know, we did have some negotiations over a period of time and it was on, it was off, it was on, it was off and it was back on again over uh, a number of uh, calls and circumstances where the competition rules were changing. So thankfully, I think we got the recruit of the year. I think we got the most improved player of the year in Jordan Silk. Yep, yep. And, and we had the player of the year in Josh Phillippe. So, yeah. um, you know, we, 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 you know, we're really pleased with that. Uh, but you, you win championships with a, your squad and our 18 game ready players, uh, really got the job done in a difficult environment. Now, this won't mean much to anyone else except you and I, Shippy, but, uh, Clearly, Carlos Brathwaite, uh, remember the name. Mm. Obviously, you've been doing a bit of work with him behind the scenes down at Maloney's there in Hobart on the dance floor, <laughs> uh, showing him a couple of the old master's moves. <laughs> well, I, you know, I think he's taken me to a new level, Chuck, uh, with some of his stuff. And uh, we really do look forward to him taking a wicket because we're not quite sure what's coming next with big Carlos, but... You know, he and Jason Holder and all our internationals fitted in beautifully into our team uh, this year. And I remember, you know, a couple of seasons ago, we lost our first six games of the Big Bash season. You know, we'd lost our captain, Moses Enriquez, to some, you know, mental issues at the time. And Stephen O'Keefe, you know, our elite uh, spin bowler was lost from the team. We lost those first six. We brought in Joe Denley and Carlos Braithwaite. And he fitted into our team like a glove. We won the next four. So I have a good long-term memory in that space. And we made sure we got him again this season for that very reason. So, uh, yeah, he's got some awesome moves and I wish I had some of them. Unreal. Unreal. Hey, uh, Chippy, I want to find out, look, Dennis Lilly, take us behind the scenes with DK. Uh, yep. Just a, an absolute champion bowler. Um, fantastic fella. I was at a sportsman's night there a few years back when uh, he was the guest speaker. Just got some cracking stories. It must have been a laugh a minute with some of those boys back in the WA times. Oh, uh, I don't know, a laugh a minute because the standards were set extremely high. Um, from Dennis's point of mm. view, fitness at that stage was was his, you know, outlier. He was the, you know, the first, I guess, in the whole system that really, you know, embraced, you know, that next level fitness and, you know, combined with his mental strength and his skill in in terms of bowling, you know, he was, you know, he was a beacon in our game. But also, I think he was the first that. Uh, really was aggressively sharing his knowledge and I remember in those days it was post-match going to the opposition dressing room and you know share the day's play and share thoughts and feelings and and, and knowledge and Dennis Lilly was always the most sought after and the most giving of people and players in in that uh, in that frame so you know we've been great mates and still are and still talk, you know, to this very day. And, you know, I know that, you know, he's directly involved still with the likes of Pat Cummins and others, you know, in the game. And, uh, you know, he's the best of the best. And um, and we revere him greatly. Shibby, I know you'll love all the, your coaching stints and you've got memories from Tasmania, uh, Ricky Ponting, one of your great successes, Shane Watson, the influence. There's many, many people I could bring up. Uh, coaching the IPL, Melbourne Stars, but I just want to talk, probably selfishly, not not with me involved, but the Victorian era. 
the 10 years you had there was a hugely successful time. Uh, again, we need a whole show to devote to it, but, you know, Hodge, White, Hussey, McDonald, Lewis, Harwood, I mean, I'm just singing some names today. Uh, I won't say you were lucky. You were uh, well organised and well planned, but a golden era, a decade of success for Victorian cricket must be something now that when you sit down with a cold beer, you think, yep, that was a pretty special period. Yeah, absolutely, Chuck. And, it, you know, it started in 2002-03 with... Uh, with yourself and uh, and David, who you know were were ahead of the game in terms of you know me being there, and I arrived and listened to the the energy and the want to, you know to to go to that next level. I think you you termed the phrase beautifully within our early conversations around being good to great, and uh, I think you know that helped frame from my point of view, you know the plans and the processes that you know I I'd sort of started I guess in Tasmania and then brought to help bring to Victoria um, and around David's great storytelling we really I, I think we lit the fire we lit the fire to you know Definitely. play the way that the Victorian team wanted to play and you know there was a hard edge about us and there was you know great conversation there we developed cricket intellect which was important to me across that journey and uh, I always had a scoreboard on my in my office on the board that uh, in all three forms of the game, you know, during that period, the Victorian team scored more points and won more titles than any other team, you know, in that in that generation. And it continues, you know, post, you know, with the likes of David Saker and Andrew McDonald and, and others. So yep. um, I'm looking at that, that list of names now and there's some, you know, smiles, you know, when I look at Farwood Armoured, Matty Elliott, Finch, Maxwell, as you say, Hodge, Great recruiting around Hastings and Rogers. Uh, to see James Pattinson come through the door, you know, did his year 12 outside my office door um, <laughs> at, at Cricket Victoria. Bobby Quiney, the best team man in the, in the world, you know, a leader in Cameron White, second to none. Uh, Matthew Wade, you know, captain you know, Victoria successfully. As you say, the story goes on, the names go on, and... Uh, it's an extremely satisfying, um, you know, period of time in my life. Unreal. Ship, just the last one for me, because, and I, I don't want a long answer on this because I know it's a touchy one for you, but we all know that was a golden period. You win the Sheffield Shield in 2003 and 2004 and then you tapped on the shoulder to say, your time's up, old master, we've got to go in a different <laughs> direction. How tough, how tough for the work you've put in, the oh, respect yeah. that you've and built the up, to you then be in. told, you, you win the flag, uh, if you like, mm. and your time's up. How tough? Yeah, really yeah, really tough because, you know, you, you've, you're connected to the players, you know, um, as I was, and I guess that's probably a coach's most important weapon is to have, have a great relationship with your players. That's the, that's the first port of call. So um, I was... I was more blessed by the response of the players knowing that around December that, you know, it was going to be my last year and the way they responded and gathered together and then won that title, I guess, it just, you know, it, it, it moved the fire back to those decision makers at the time. So, yeah, look, it was tough and it always is when you when you moved on or lose your job. But, you know, there was some strategic uh, intelligence, I guess, behind that, uh, and the team continued on, and we won. We, the Victorians, won the next 
you know, or won three in a row. So um, I guess, you know, the foundation was set and the coaches to come did a great job in maintaining that. So I, I guess the whole organisation's in a better place because of it. So uh, albeit uh, personally, it was uh, it was jarring. Mm, uh, that was, sorry, boys, 14-15 that was. I was looking at 03-04. That was our emotional year together when we lost David yep. Hooks. We won't go there tonight. And then Shippy finished up in 14-15. I had the wrong date. So back over to you two. Ludie. i get me 10 with Shippy, I'm just, I'm just interested to know, obviously, you know, someone who loves the game and is forever learning and, and watching. You've been involved with Victorian cricket for a long period of time and now New South Wales cricket. Obviously, a big rivalry between the two. Which one has the better system now that you've been involved with both, or what makes them both so unique? Oh, again, it's really difficult to compare. I guess New South Wales, in terms of their system, uh, they've got a bigger, bigger grade, uh, you know, a talent pool. In the, you know, it's a bit like India, if you like. The disparity yeah. is not as great between. New South Wales and Victoria, but they've got a bigger talent pool. Their country areas, they have four or five legitimate country areas where you know, I guess they're almost like you know a, a mini Tasmania sitting there in regional New South Wales that produce some amazing talent. And when they're brought to you know headquarters there in Sydney, you know they've got plenty to choose from, and the overflow tends to to go all over the rest of Australia, but. I certainly wouldn't underestimate, um, you know, the Victorian system in comparison. There's some terrific players come out of country Victoria, um, and uh, and the and the Premier Cricket system here is, you know, is always alert to, you know, the next challenge. So, um, you know, oh, it's it's a, it's a tough question, but you know, I think you know both are, are producing the right type of player. Uh, ready for the next level. Uh, we're in a an awkward system here at the moment with three game formats. I think our biggest challenge is in red ball or test match batting in terms of mindset and mentality. That's probably our biggest challenge. Um, and uh, I look forward to helping people solve that. Shibby, I want to know, mate. Well answered. You, you've uh, you've had some great captains over the journey. Uh, where does Darren Chuck Berry sit? A very good question. This one, Stewie. Oh, Come on, and, and be honest, Shibby. You know he tells us he's the greatest ever captain of Victoria, bar he's none. Off. I've never said that. Come on, Shibby. Where's he sit? Oh, I think he. I think he has said that over a couple of beers at the Dolphin a couple of times. I think he has said that, but but nevertheless, nevertheless, he he ranks right up there. One as you know, as the most elite you know keeper in terms of that craft in uh, in the business in in my experience. Uh, but in those unique couple of seasons that I was involved, when he was involved. Um, you know, there was nothing that could prepare a team for what happened to us in 2003-04. Um, we were juggling a uh, new coach, new assistant coach, and great expectations in 02-03, which, uh, you know, he was managing to do as a leader within the group. And then as captaining that team, it, it required great strength of character, great strength of purpose. And he delivered that, and I remember sitting with him when he told us, surprisingly, that he was 
going to move on after that. That you know, the game is all about you know, earning respect, and that he had earned the respect of not only his own dressing room, but uh, albeit a lot of feisty uh, comments from other state players and internet or players around the country that he earned their respect. Uh, without any shadow of a doubt. So, you know, he's got to be up there, I guess, in the top three or four of our Victorian captains, of which there's been a number. I love the answer, Shibby. You've done that beautifully well, mate. You've handled that extremely well. Did you take that, Shibby? I've got it. It's it's here, mate, and it'll be deleted as soon as this episode. Do you think, Chuck, you and I could do some sporties around that? Do you think we could do do some work around that? I don't do sporties, but I guess we could do. You might lure me me out of my study. (laughs) Hey, boys, we better have a bit of fun to finish off the business. Yes, there we go. Yes, all thanks what? to Clinton Bolsh, Waterbourne Nissan and the Nissan Warrior. That's right. What are you driving, Shibby? What rig are you driving at the moment, mate? Uh, my little Kia, my little Australian oh. tennis open Kia. No, the, well, wife this... drives, the wife drives the Mercedes and I'm sort of, I've, I've been pushed into the background, but um, I know we have many great car sponsors in cricket around the, the country Uh at one stage there, I had two cars parked out the front, Toyota for Shield and Jeep for the Melbourne Stars Big Bash. So, well, you know, how times have changed. Well, we are Warnable Nissan, of course. Uh, Clinton Bolsh, great man. You can jump can't on all the socials. I can't wait to get into a Nissan. No, I can't wait no, to get into a they, Nissan. I've, I've heard they're the best. <laughs> they are magnificent. And it's, it, but it's funny you mentioned Kia because uh, they also have Kia. It's Warnable Kia as well. And that brand there new Sorento is a magnificent motor vehicle if you haven't seen it it parks itself they're unbelievable it is state of the art and i think you can drop one for about fifty three thousand. brand spanker oh, that's all. looks awesome looks Gee, awesome i could i could probably get that with my bonus from the sydney sixes and i can <laughs> buy a house down in sorrento and buy my sorrento and <laughs> so it'll be perfect the master is warming up now i thought he'd be going to... normally he's in bed boys by nine o'clock <laughs> That's why I said we can't leave him too long. The old fella's getting tired. <laughs> right, and this is called 10 with Sarka, okay? This is 10 questions, Shimmy, and just answer them however you would like to answer them. Well, I'll do my best. Shippy, now listen, you know I love you, but you've got to get off the fence in some of the... I promise I won't throw you under the bus. I promise you that. And no one but will be listening, well, Shippy. That, that just means you you are going to throw me under the bus, but never mind, let's have a crack at it. <laughs> I promise you I'm not this old. But listen, you just give me the answer. That's a, I'll give you an easy one to start with. The MCG or the SCG? Uh, MCG. Yeah, good answer, Shippy. Thank you. Good Thank answer. You. One, one word that... Only because... Can I, can I expand on that? Yes, yes, you yes, can. Yes, Because I, I remember back in those early 70s and 80s when you went to the MCG, it was the first place that had replays and it congratulated when you got 50 and 100 and 150. So I just wanted to keep batting and batting to keep <laughs> watching replays of myself and... <laughs> Seeing those congratulations come up when you got to those milestones. So, MCG, wonderful Coliseum. I thought, you, and, uh, I thought you were going to go down the old, because it's got the cricketers' arms next door or something, shimmy there for a minute. Oh, I thought, no. hang on. We, our, our, fridge, our fridge underneath in the players' room had plenty of 
what you Maybe. needed to have in post-match. <laughs> we didn't need to no. go to any hotel. <laughs> I never got any many of those highlights, Stewie, for myself. When you got to 50 or 100, I very rarely got to those, so I never got off the next mm. script. Now, should be quick answers. Quick answers, Mark. Oh, sorry, right. sorry. You know, that's all right. One word that best described your feelings facing Jeff Thompson. Determined. Mm. Who was determined a better twin bowler? The, 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 determined not to get hit by him. <laughs> yeah, that's, can, well, that's what I was Can thinking. I just ask, like, was, it, was he really hard just to pick up because of that action? Uh... No, no, but you knew they were coming out fast, so you needed to think fast and move fast. Mm. Um, so that's, I guess that's why I started wearing the mattress because I, <laughs> I, the first couple of times he hit me on the ribs, I thought it's too hard to get into the West Australian team uh, apart from being having broken ribs from him. Uh, it was too risky a business, so it was a mattress for me. And... Um, and, and then I was happy to play him and, and, and have him bounce off my chest. And Stewie, Sorry for just that for your answer. information. Yeah, no, another short answer. That's good. We'll sh- at this stage, the show will go two hours, but we've got to extend now because you mentioned the mattress, big fella. Uh, when mm. Victoria, Shippy was finishing when I was starting, but I remember Merv Hughes trying to kill Shippy at Hobart on a windy day. <laughs> and Shippy, I'm not joking, he had padding from his little toe... <laughs> To the top of his head, arm guard, mattress on the chest, thigh pad, inside thigh pads, and he even had those things that the hockey goalies wear over the end of their uh, cricket shoes. So he was a human mattress. <laughs> just a lot. Just there was some truth in that, Chuck. But I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you run with that. That's okay. Yes, I have added a little bit of. <laughs> a bit of mayo. Merv and twenty other fast bowlers around the country certainly were looking, you know, to cause some harm. <laughs> I added a little bit of mayonnaise on that one, which leads me into my next question. A quick answer: uh, a little bit of mayonnaise. Who would you want on your team, Dan Andrews or Dan Christian? <laughs> Dan Christian, easily. <laughs> Dan Christian, Jeez. easily. I don't I think ninety nine point nine percent of Victoria at the moment would be going with Dan Christian. Uh, let's Dan get this Christian answer for quick. PM. Yes, PM. <laughs> Who, who's a better player, Shippy? Who's going to be remembered? And uh, this is a tough one for you now, but you've got to give me an answer. Who's mm. going to be a better player when their this man's career is over? And one of them's your love child, Ricky Ponting. Or Steve Smith? Oh. Mm, tough. Tough, tough. <laughs> oh, crikey. Crikey, that's tough. The only the only reasonable response I can give is Steve Smith on the basis that he's a three-format player. Oh, yeah, good okay. answer. Clever. We'll take that, Master. That's why he is the Master. Yeah, he's clever. a way to get around it, because I know he loves Ponting. Uh, oh, I do. Why wouldn't you? A uh, real easy one for you. I know the answer, but the others won't. You're a Western Australian. We know that a long, long time ago. West Coast Eagles or Fremantle Dockers? West Coast Eagles every single time. Peter Matera. Oh, he was good. Nat Nui and Kobe. Committee. I knew we loved the Eagles. <laughs> uh, now, just because these two Tim boys... Tim Kelly. Did someone say Tim Kelly then? Oh, yeah, he's good. Yeah. Is that you, Ludy? Tim Kelly? You'd be, you'd be upset about oh, that. Craig Turley? Yeah, Jackovich? 
the list mm. goes on. Peter Sumich. Now, these two boys will be listening, so just upset one of them if you can. Because Please. they're both friends of ours. Uh, who was a better bowler? Swing seam, both very good bowlers. I was lucky enough to keep to both of them, but I want you to upset one of them. If you can only pick one of them, Shippy, and you lined them up on the school ground and you said, it's your pick, Shippy. Chuck's picked one, yeah. and now you've got David Saker or Mark Ridgway. <laughs> you can only pick one, and you only want one lunatic. Oh, gosh, oh, my. I'll have to go with Sakesy because at least he didn't lie about his age. Good. I like it. And you know what I like most about this? Mark Ridgway will be listening, and he'll be absolutely filthy. So that is gold, that one. Uh, Cracking question. Thank you. Yeah, I thought you'd like that one. Uh, I know after a hard-earned victory ship the other night, the Sixers, you would have had a few cold ones, and you've been mm. in many states. Uh, and I know we've had a sponsor before, one of our good friends, Greggy Harris. I caught up with him recently. Yeah. But so when did you I. sit down, well, he's a good man. When you sit down for a cold beer, is it your choice to have a Swan Lager, a Cascade, a Carlton Drafter, a VB in Melbourne, or now that you're in Sydney, I feel like a twoies or two. What's your go-to in the fridge? There's only one go-to, and even the players in Sydney understand it and know it, and there was always one across our our hurting yeah. hub, and it was a VB. Oh, yeah. Good choice. Yeah. Great Victorian. A Victorian bitter, which, which, which sort of dovetails as a VB, Victorian Bushrangers. There you go. There's a bit of history there. Oh, love and it. plenty sunk down. I've got a couple to finish off, Shippy. A couple of hard ones to finish, but you'll like them. Which coach mm. has had the biggest influence on Australian cricket? I'm not going to name them all. The, the, the four that I've written, you can choose the one that's had the biggest influence. Mm. Yeah, Aaron good. Lee, John Buchanan, Justin Langer, or Bob Simpson? Uh, I would say John Buchanan for me because mm. I think he, I think he, he, um, he, he developed a plan, and I gave he gave the players information from which they could develop and improve and. You know, for me, I'd, I've seen, you know, his work in my early days as a coach and it certainly helped me uh, frame, you know, some of the directions that I've taken in my time. So, for me, John Buchanan. Interesting answer. Not who I thought you would say. So, that's great. I'm glad I got something different mm. than what I thought I would get. Uh, who did you think? One, yeah, I want to know I, that too. No, I thought, you might, I thought you might have said Bob Simpson, but uh, maybe I was mm. just pushing back into that era but no I, I don't mm. disagree uh, mm. Warney didn't like that information that John Buchanan gave him but that's for another day um, yep. again one of these questions master a schoolyard I love these questions a schoolyard you can only pick one of these you played with one of them you played against yeah. one of them and you coached mm. against one of them mm. if you're picking the test team tomorrow and you're going to pick the best wicket keeper Rod Marsh Ian Healy or Adam Gilchrist? Oh. Uh, and what was the premise? I'm picking the best, best wicket keeper. Best keeper. So playing a test match tomorrow for your life and you're picking the best oh. wicket keeper. Marsh, Healy or Gilchrist? I guess the, the purists the guess the purists would have 
Healy. Um, and I guess if that's what the purists think, then I guess from a keeping point of view, oh, I'd, yeah, I might have to go that way. Although I think in their own time, in their own eras, the other two were of civic significant impact as well. Uh, and I might have a different answer with a different question. What about yep. Berry and Ludeman? Uh, well, seriously, uh, apples and oranges. <laughs> apples and oranges. <laughs> <laughs> they, they make a good fruit cocktail, apples and oranges. So I, I guess... Play them know, both. It, play them both. One could bat Lovely and one him. couldn't. <laughs> That's right. I told you, Ludie, you had to work on your batting. You should have worked on it, Lou. That's what this show's about. Just for what it's worth, boys, I like that question because as a kid, not the Barry Ludeman one, that was stupid. Uh, as a kid, Rod Marsh was the poster on my wall. He was my hero, mm. Rod Marsh. And watching mm. him catch Mine dive too. catches, mm. I, I loved him. I just loved him. Yeah. Then in my time, I reckon Ian Healy has been the best wicket keeper that I've seen for Australia. However, the best all-rounder uh, yeah, and yeah. match winner, match winner, and a brilliant mm, uh, yeah. all-round cricketer. And actually, you know, I, him and I had some battles, but I would say improved his keeping to an outstanding keeper, yeah. uh, Adam mm. Gilchrist. Hard to split the three of them, really. Mm. Yeah. So that's that's what I, I would have said if you had asked me to expand on exactly. you know, the you merits of each of those yes. of those people. And we have only scratched the surface of our chat to tonight, gentlemen. We haven't got to the yeah. F words and coaching no. words, coaching sayings, and so we'll have to do this again. <laughs> we'll have to get you back, Shippy. Maybe when the Sydney Sixers go three in a row, oh. which is the end of my questioning, uh, give us one word that best describes you. If you could describe you as a coach, give me one word. I I've got one. Ludy, you can... Even though he gave yeah. you the ass, don't say asshole. You can have one. And Maddie, you don't know him. You give us one. Shippy. What's one word that best describes you as a coach? Uh, uh, persistent, I reckon. Ludy, I was going to say calculated. Yep, I thought you were going to say passionate. Uh, Stewie, you watched him on TV, the little master. You got a word that you look at and you think that old bloke. What do you think of? Driven, driven. Driven, nice, yeah, like that. Mm. And uh, I'll give you one to finish, just to wind it up, Stewie, then you can wrap it up. Uh, clever, very clever. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Absolutely. What a magnificent career, seriously. Uh, I don't think people realise, uh, you know, like on as I said at the start, on the pitch and then off the pitch, uh, you know, which has been probably more impressive, to be honest, uh, what you've done. Just fantastic. And when you reel off those names, you know, those Victorian cricketers that come through under your tutelage, uh, you know, it's just been phenomenal. It's absolutely mind-boggling to see so much talent come through your watch. Uh, it's just brilliant, I reckon. So, congratulations, mate. Bill Belichick comes to mind when you think of, you know, legends in the in the NFL. And uh, I think Greg Shippard's right up there when it comes to cricket in Australia, that is for sure. So, I've got a little song for you to go out with, uh, Shibby. You said this at the top, Looking mate. forward to it. This is it. You said <laughs> this is your song. Yeah, that's the way. <laughs> that's that's the way. A little bit John. How good was Elton John? Did you see Rocket Man, Shimmy? Have you seen the yeah, movie? Yeah, loved it. 
I didn't realise he had so many hits, this bloke. Freak show. Oh, Yellow Brick Road. Come on, people. Get on to it. <laughs> hey. Gracious. Honestly, Greg, we appreciate your time, mate. Our first guest in 2021 on Keeping It Real with Chuck Lee and the Big Fella. We appreciate your time. We know it is late for yourself. Uh, you got plenty to get through, no doubt, uh, in regards to uh, preparing for uh, what's around the corner next for yourself. And we really appreciate your time, mate. Thanks, Mark. Thanks very much. Thanks, guys. It's Thank, great to be on the show. And we've set the bar high, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, we have Greg Shippard, our very first guest this year. What a champion, boys! You've come through with spades, you two. Uh, he is a superstar. He's a quiet achiever, uh, Ludi. Uh, but yeah, clever was the word that I come up with. He's been around for a long, long time, and and to be perfectly honest, uh, Australia could have done worse than select Greg Shippard as the Australian coach because. He's a very good batting coach, very good technician with the batting coach, and he's a good uh, operator with people. Just goes about it quietly. Uh, I learn a lot off him because he's very different to me, and I've, I reckon that it's taken me time to get a bit of you know Greg Shippard stuff into me. So glad we had him on as our first guest, boys. And uh, even though he gave you the arse, uh, Ludi, I think you know he's a pretty good man. <laughs> yes, well done, Chuck. Shippy uh, the ripper, and as you said, I, I think like. You talk about a great Australian coaches across all sports. Um, you know, we had Trevor Budza Gleeson on, who's obviously done really well in the basketball space. But Shippy, yeah, unnoticed, and he's probably one of the better coaches in Australia across all sports, I, I believe. Absolutely. Yep. Well said, boys. Hey, listen, uh, who have we got lined up this uh, this season? I've actually reached out. Uh, I've got a little contact uh, with the great Sir Vivian Richards. Uh, what? Yes, yes, I am trying. Don't make false promises to oh, our listeners. Mate, I am uh, absolutely, uh, I've got a uh, mutual friend that lives in Melbourne, uh, and uh, she has actually uh, sent Viv a message tonight um, just to uh, say, listen, would you mind coming on as a special guest on uh, this little podcast? So uh, watch this space in regards to that. So uh, I think he would be absolutely brilliant. He would be outstanding, uh, no, Stewie. If you can pull this off, then uh, credit to you. But I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> All right. What's, what, have we got anything else before we go? Uh, no, I reckon we're done, boys. I'm go- uh, oh, I can tell you that uh, Ashwin just made 100 in the test match uh, on the biggest spinning wicket. Seriously, more spin in Chennai than Dan Andrews' press conference. Uh, <laughs> turning square... <laughs> Sharply, and uh, let's hope we get out a lot. Hang on. England are chasing 486 for victory. So they could bat nine times, I reckon, on this wicket and will not get 486. <laughs> no chance whatsoever for the Poms. Uh, they are gone. Hey, did you watch the Tiger Woods documentary? Didn't see it. No. Oh, go and watch it. Unbelievable. Uh, it's on uh, Foxtel. Go and have a look at it. It is sensational. And we're going to go out with a little song. I just heard this song at the end of the first episode on uh, Tiger Woods. It just caught me attention. I just cracked up. It was a ripping, ripping little ditty from uh, way back in the, I think it was the 80s. Uh, and boys, just if we're if we're heading out with a song, uh, can you just send me the directions to the Graham Manu cricket ground, please? <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. I cannot wait to get up to Manu, and uh, it is going to be fantastic. Let's hope this lockdown ends. And we must thank Clinton Mulch, of course, in Warner. We'll jump on the Nissan Warrior or the Kia Sorento magnificent motor vehicles. Here's a bit of Chicken Town. See you, boys. <laughs>
bloody cops are bloody king, bloody keep it bloody clean, bloody chiefs are bloody swine, bloody drugs are bloody lines, the bloody fun and bloody games, the bloody kids in bloody blame, and nowhere to be bloody found anywhere in chicken town. The bloody scene is bloody sad, the bloody news is bloody bad, the bloody weed is bloody turf, the bloody speed is bloody surf, bloody folks are bloody daft, don't make me bloody laugh, bloody hurts to look around, everywhere in chicken town, bloody train is bloody late, you're bloody way, you're bloody way, bloody lost and bloody found, stuck in fucking chicken town. Bloody food is bloody mum, bloody drains are bloody fuck, colour scheme is bloody brown, evidently chicken down.